Listener Production. Would you eat a steak that was made in a lab? I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto, and this is the Science Briefing. Plant-based meat has really taken off in the last few years. These are the vegan and veggie alternatives to real meat. But now, more and more companies are actually making meat, like legit real meat, in the lab. Today, I chat to Cosmos Magazine journalist Jacinta Bowler about cultivated meat, how it tastes, and how we actually make it. So Jacinta, growing meat in the lab does sound potentially like a horror movie plot, (laughs) but out here in the real world in 2023, why are we actually doing this? There's a few selling points for lab-grown meat. Um, A quick note, though, the preferred name for it is cultivated meat because it will be eventually not grown in a lab but in a factory. The big selling point is that cultivated meat requires considerably less resources to make and you don't need big farms populated with hundreds of cows or sheep or pigs. And then you also don't have to kill the animals, which I think is a big plus. True. And also livestock grazing and agriculture emits huge amounts of carbon. Cultivated meat uses much less land and water than livestock and produces no methane emissions, which is an incredibly potent greenhouse gas. So anything we can do to reduce the amount of carbon we emit into the atmosphere from these practices, the better. Completely agree. I've said all that, but I do want to say that confirming the exact environmental footprint of cultivated meat and whether or not it's better than regular meat or plant-based meat is a bit tricky to do at this stage, considering cultivated meat is relatively new. But we do have some pretty good statistics that we can compare it against. Ooh, okay. We love some stats here. What are these stats? So a study from last year from the International Journal of Life Cycle Assessment looked at a hypothetical life cycle of cultivated meat production in the year 2030. They found that cultivated meat could be almost three times more efficient at turning crops into meat than chicken is, chicken being the most efficient meat at the moment. One of the researchers I spoke to when I wrote a story on cultivated meat for Cosmos magazine reckons that as long as we're powering the factories that make this meat with an alternative energy source, so wind or solar, for example, then it's better for the environment than traditional agriculture. But look, the plans for cultivated meat are one thing, but how you cultivate meat in the first place, that's a bit of a trip. Okay, this is what I'm excited about, Jacinta. (laughs) I want to know how they whip up this cultivated meat. I mean, what the heck is going on here? This weird sciencey witchcraft. How do they do this? (laughs) Weird sciencey witchcraft is probably accurate. (laughs) To get a better idea about this, I spoke to Dr. Bianca Lee. Bianca is the founder and chair of Cellular Agriculture Australia, a not-for-profit lobby group that focuses on cultivated meat and other biotechnologies. The first thing to know is that cultivated meat does originally come from an animal. So it starts off by um, taking a small sample from an animal. Um, You only need a really small sample because that contains millions and millions of cells. This sample could be like from a cow's ear, for example. Imagine it a little bit like an ear piercing. You'd take a small needle and pull out about a rice-sized sample of skin. You could also do it with a blood sample, but yeah, you need something from the animal to start the process. The next step is to then chemically reprogram the cells. This is reverting the cells to stem cells, 
they're the first form of cells and they can differentiate into other cells to be able to make everything that makes you or I or a potato. Mm -hmm. This is done by adding a thing called Yamanaka's factors. These are a group of proteins that play an important role. This process winds back the clock and takes these cells, human, potato, whatever, back into this stem cell state. From there, you turn these cells into something called a cell culture line. Companies will develop a cell line, which essentially means either using or not using genetic modification to make sure that that cell grows really nicely, really well. In this cell line, the cells replicate and can turn into either muscle tissue or fat. Then you put these cell cultures into a bioreactor, which is a big stainless steel tank. Kind of like a brewery tank for making beer, but for making meat in this case. A meat beer tank. You feed it cell culture media. Think of it a bit like food for the meat. Things like plant-based amino acids, proteins and glucose. And then the cells in that tank will grow. After however many days, weeks, depending on the company, you're going to get a massive expansion of cells and then you just harvest it. Mix some fat and muscle together like they do with real meat and yum, you have some instant burger patties. Yum. Or maybe some meatballs. But it's not just burger patties that cultivated meat companies are thinking about. There are many things you can do after that. You can create whole cuts of steak and, and marble tissue, bacon. And so in order to create these whole cut structures, you need what's called a scaffold. A scaffold is essentially something you can grow the meat into to give it the shape that you want. Some companies are putting themselves onto the scaffold to create that final product. Other companies are just producing the fat and then combining that fat with plant-based ingredients to create, you know, a hybrid product. Interesting. So plant-based meats with cultivated meats. Yeah, there's quite a lot of creativity going on in cultivated meats. But I hear you ask, Sophie, vegetarians won't eat it. (laughs) No, because of the real meat bit in it. That's true. But plant-based meats mixed in with cultivated meats is cool because vegetarians and vegans are actually more than happy to eat it because no animals were harmed in the process. Oh, but isn't that only for ethical vegetarians, Jacinta? Ethical vegetarians, absolutely. But if you're doing it for environmental reasons, the same thing would happen. Oh, yeah. There must be people that would not be okay with this, potentially maybe Muslims or people who don't eat pork products, things like that could be an issue. But generally, the vast majority of vegetarians, unless they really don't like the taste of meat, I think would be fine with this product. Oh, and the other thing that's worth mentioning is that they are not trying to get the vegetarians. It's only, you know, 5% of the market share. They want to get the people that eat meat a lot that can go... This is a different option. It tastes as good. Try this instead. Let's do it. Yeah. I do have to ask though, Jacinta, these cultivated meat creations, how do they actually taste? I wish I knew. (laughs) I did speak to someone who works in cultivated meats and that's Professor Andrew Laslett. I'm probably one of the few people in the country that have eaten more cultivated meat than traditional meat in the last... 12 months. Andrew is the head of research development at an Australian cultivated meat startup called Magic Valley. And funnily enough, he's also a vegetarian. But I guess working in cultivated meats means you've got to give what you're making a go. I'm quite happy with my mushroom burgers, but on tasting the pork dumplings that we had two weeks ago, they were absolutely delicious. It gave me a lot of memories of eating different meat products over the years. 
But Angie recognises that no matter how good they taste or how much they taste like actual meat, cultivated meat isn't going to be for everyone. I don't think it's ever going to take over traditional agriculture. There's always going to be a portion of society that are going to want their meat made in a theoretical, idyllic farm where the animals are treated beautifully. The problem with that model is that the idyllic farms, there's a few of them, but there's not that many of them. What we're trying to do is give people a choice that is affordable and sustainable and ethical. But it's not just conventional meats like beef, chicken and pork that companies are looking to cultivate. One Australian startup is thinking up some pretty wild stuff with cultivated meats. Okay, what can you tell us about this startup and how wild are they getting exactly? This is a place called Val. They're thinking of things like crocodile meat, peacock, quail. Val also got quite a bit of attention recently when they created what was dubbed a mammoth meatball. They worked with the Australian Institute for Bioengineering at the University of Queensland to create the mammoth muscle protein. The team then took the DNA sequence for mammoth myoglobin, which is the key muscle protein, and filled in a few of the gaps using elephant DNA. This means that it probably wouldn't taste exactly like mammoth, but no one would know, obviously. They've been extinct for thousands of years. Yeah. But in the end, no one could actually eat this meatball. But wait, why? (laughs) Um, They weren't sure if our immune system would respond well. It is at least partially, myoglobin from a animal that's been extinct for thousands of years. So they didn't really know how human bodies would react. Look, it's better to be safe than sorry, I guess, Jacinta. Yeah. It's also being used as an art piece now. So I feel like if someone (laughs) ate it, they'd have to make more, which they probably don't want to do. (laughs) Art installations aside, Val are also racing forward trying to get cultivated meat on Australian supermarket shelves in the next few years too. They're already in the process of getting their cultured quail meat approved by Food Standards Australia New Zealand. We wouldn't be the first country, though, to get cultivated meats to market. Singapore already sells cultivated meat, chicken, from a company called Good Meat. And two companies in the US have also now passed the approval process. Jacinta, it does sort of make me mull over exactly how far we could potentially go with this stuff. Could we really just get DNA samples of any old thing and start whipping up any meat we want in the lab? Yes, is the short answer. (laughs) And look, there's potential for things to get really, really wild. There's a whole field called cellular agriculture, which is any kind of animal or plant product being made in a vat. This goes beyond meat. Some people are producing things like coffee. There's also even the possibility it could move to things like making real dairy milk without the cow or even human breast milk without the human. Jacinta, what? <laughs> I know, it's, it's a lot. One of the big reasons that I would like to see lab-grown meat is to stop us from pulling thousands and thousands or significantly more than thousands of fish out of the oceans. We could just leave them there because we can grow lab-grown fish in a lab. The thing to remember is that we've been making things in a lab environment for ages already. Things like insulin, but exactly how creative this gets, I guess we just have to wait and see.
Jacinta Bowler is a science journalist for Cosmos Magazine. You can read more of Jacinta's reporting at cosmosmagazine.com. The Science Briefing is produced by Listener and the Royal Institution of Australia. This episode was produced by Jake Morecambe. Mixing by Dave Stein. I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto. Catch you next time. Thank you.